This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Sure Payroll. If you're a small business owner, you know payroll and payroll taxes can be a headache. Well, Sure Payroll has changed that by simplifying payroll services with just three easy steps entirely online. To learn more, visit surepayroll.com/fool and get a free quote. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen, and it is Tuesday, January 10th. So if you've been following along with Industry Focus the past week or so, uh, you probably heard Gabby's wonderful episode yesterday. You'll know that we are in the middle of a theme week, and this time we can kick off 2017 properly. We're talking about our resolutions for the year. The whole cast is. And joining me today in studio is fellow Motley Fool analyst, Sarah Priestley. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Are you ready to riff on resolutions for this year? Uh, disappointments, really? Yeah, disappointments. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly disappointments. Um, okay, I... A few things. Uh, is this your first podcast appearance for the year? It is. Okay, yes. score. Score one for me. Um, <laughs> and before we get into what our uh, new resolutions are for 2017, I think it's only fair if we revisit <laughs> our goals from 2016 and kind of do a quick audit to see how well we fared, just you know, to clear the air with our listeners as well. But... Um, Mine are permanently recorded in the annals of foolish history with the <laughs> article that we wrote in the episode when we when uh, I think it was Sean and I talked about it last year around this time. Uh, but you had not joined the Motley Fool yet. So, what were your 2016 resolutions and how did you do? Uh, my so in 2015 I moved from the UK to here mm-hmm. and I got married. So 2015 was kind of a bit of a, a mess. Sure, um, sure, fair enough. 2016 I resolved to declutter and kind of organized my life. Uh, our apartment is is not huge, um, and together we, when you, you know, bring together two people's amount of things, it, it creates a lot of stuff. Uh, so the result of that was that I got a storage unit. The problem now being that my apartment's really decluttered, but the storage unit, you open the door and you, you, know, you can't get in there. Um, so that will also be added to one of my resolutions for this year is to declutter the storage unit. Okay. And when you came, uh, when you came to the U.S. from the U.K., were you, are you the kind of person when you pack, who bring who do you, you bring the kitchen sink essentially, oh, or were you much yeah. better like very organized, very I guess minimalist in your approach? No, I, I I did throw away a lot of stuff because I do have you know hoarder tendencies, but. Um, I brought everything, and I was actually talking to somebody before doing this podcast that I'm I'm a bad packer with everything. So we went to a wedding just before Christmas, and I took a carry-on case, but it was so heavy I couldn't pick it up. And my <laughs> husband had to carry it. So you can see I, I do have um, multiple issues. Okay. Um, all right then. So let's get into what we're into uh, our new goals then mm-hmm. for 2016. Um, what do you have in mind then? So you mentioned the storage unit getting that cleaned up, but you know more in terms of I guess more finance investing or foolishly related. Uh, what do you have envisioned for the year? Uh, so for me, it's definitely budgeting. Um, I think that that's an area where, as a household, we can probably be better. Sure. We we're not bad. We don't spend more than we make, um, which you know is the principle of budgeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we contribute to our four hundred one ks. We have a retirement savings plan, all those kind of things. But I do think, and I think this is something that a lot of people can learn from. When you have a degree of disposable income without too much planning, things slip by the wayside. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, and it snowballs. And I have noticed that. For us, I think eating out and the treats, you know, the the occasional coffee, the occasional trip to the mall or to the cinema, uh, to the movies, sorry, they, they add up, they accumulate. 
And so for me, I really want to get a handle on what it, what am I spending my money on and where can we improve? And hopefully kind of met by making incremental improvements, then we can generate a lot more savings. Sure. Uh, is there, I'm curious if there's anything in particular that kind of inspired you to want to tackle this issue. Was it something you noticed like, wow, I had like eight Starbucks coffees this week, or was it? Uh... <laughs> that would not be unusual. Um, it was actually Maury Backman's, uh, who's, who's a full contributor. She wrote an article, and I think it was called something like "You Can Have Your Latte and Retire Comfortably" or something. And she was basically talking about how saving on uh, things like exactly as you said, your daily coffee, won't help you if you're spending, you know, five hundred dollars too much on your rent. Yes, absolutely. Which is one hundred percent true, but. And I went through, you know, we went through our finances. And honestly, I don't think that that is an issue for us. I I mean, DC Metro rent is expensive, but you kind of have to compare it to what everybody else is paying. I I think we're paying a a decent amount. So we we kind of went through our big expenses. And then, you know, you get to all of the other stuff. Yeah, you Um, whittle down to everything else. Yeah. Um, And so for us, uh, in my, you know, me and my husband, I think, where our area, uh, where our problem area is, is eating out and all those fun things that add up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in you know, let's say that you're approaching the summer or the fall, kind of getting through 2017. Is there anything that you have in terms of hard metrics or numbers that you you will be using to kind of gauge and benchmark your success? Yeah, absolutely. So I have until the end of this month. This is my tracking period, um, and I'm using an app by. It's actually an Intuit app called Mint, mm-hmm. and you link it to your bank. It's a, it's a great. Um, it solves a big problem for me because previously I tried to track spending using my beloved Excel spreadsheets and you end up with all these sub charts and extra pages for, you know, clothing, subcategories of clothing, gifts, all that stupid stuff. Um, So what this does is uh, the app links up to your bank account and it breaks down your spending for you. So you can really see easily. um, It's incredibly user-friendly interface. You can see easily what you're spending your money on. Okay. Um, So... Mint's been around for quite some time now. I remember hearing about it. You know, it's probably when I was still back in school. Mm-hmm. And so, for anybody who's not aware, uh, I have not had uh, experience with it, but I've heard a lot of good testimonials from people, and generally say it eases that process of instead of you know checking your statement, for example, tracking down, uh, tracking it down yourself in a spreadsheet or by hand, whatever you use, it you know you kind of give it access to the account information and it pulls all that together, right? Yeah. And it gives you. Yeah, from what I remember, uh, just checking out the site, like it has a lot of great visuals, charts, things that help you track things yeah. along the way, right? Absolutely, and, and there's a lot of those out there. This isn't the only yeah, um, absolutely. app available, but I like it because, um, I, as I said, I think it breaks it down really well. It's very easy to use. Uh, you can set a budget in there, and it gives you a monthly tracker how close you are to your budget, um, which I think is excellent. And then the other thing that I think is great is they obviously have access to a huge amount of people's financial information. Um, and from that, they have a lot of learnings. So they send you uh, hints and tips on, you know, this credit card may be better for you, for your spending and things like that. Some people might not like that. I personally appreciate it. Even if you don't use it, it's a good insight. Um, and for me, it's exactly as you commented. It's really reducing the friction between, you know, creating a budget, monitoring that. Do you do it monthly? That's a huge amount of information to go through. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we were doing. Was I was downloading our financial statement, putting it into an Excel spreadsheet, going through, and, and, and it's a very time-consuming exercise. And for some people, that's a very stressful exercise too. So for me, this really helps to make that process so much easier. 
Um, I joke with people about the fact that I'm always on my phone looking at social media and news anyway. This is just another app on my phone that I can look at. Sure. I will say that uh, being someone who used to track it manually on a weekly or biweekly basis, if you miss one or two of those sessions, whatever time period you do, it becomes very daunting. Like if you were to miss a month and you suddenly have two months yeah, to go back up. on, it, it really, you can lose momentum very quickly that way. Um, last question is your, how much is your husband involved in this process? <laughs> and does he share um, your view of this resolution or does he have some of his own things to work on? He uh, he's, he shares definitely in the view that we need to budget. So f- January is kind of our testing month. So mm-hmm. we've both committed to each other that we're not going to spend um, X amount on eating out. So I think I think he's he, I bring my lunch to work, but he doesn't. And I think his lunch budget was something ridiculous, like five dollars a day. So I'm interested to see if he can stick. Oh, to that's it. tough, especially um, if you're eating out. Absolutely. Uh, but yes, we we both in line with it, which I know um, after reading your article on your resolutions, that's an important thing, is to make sure that you're both aligned. Yeah. So, uh, for myself, uh, for 2017, I think that our resolution is actually very similar, and mm-hmm. that it comes down to focus yeah. and where we're focusing our efforts. Um, you mentioned decluttering, actually, and that is very... That's pretty much exactly how I would describe mine. Um, I'm going to be trying to, at least for the first stage, cleaning house, um, you know, I've been describing to people as decluttering my life essentially. Um, and there's some different parts of that. So, you know, I've moved around a lot in the past 10 years. Uh, when I actually thought about this, I realized I've moved around pr- almost as many times, like almost once per year, it averages out wow. to. And I think for some people, that's a really easy way for them to get rid of a lot of junk or stuff that they have around usually when you move around. Because you, when, you know, when you're packing up, it's easy to say, oh, I really don't yep. need this anymore. I maybe. <laughs> was not quite so good about doing that. Um, and, you know, I may have organized a little bit better and called that an improvement. But in the end, um, I have a habit of saving receipts, packaging, tags for returns, warranty reasons. It's And the thing is, when it comes down to it, I don't end up using even like 1% of what I save. Uh, makes no sense at all. Uh, my wife complains about it quite often. <laughs> and, um, I have gotten better about it, but I think one person that really inspired me to think this way or to uh, pursue this resolution too is actually my brother because he has a very, what I like to describe as a minimalist uh, approach to things, especially with his wardrobe. So a lot of times we're about the same height and build. I'll say, hey, I have you know some of this clothes. Are you interested? Otherwise, I'm going to donate it. And every single time he'll look at it and really think about like, is this something that I'm going to take? Not just take it because it's there. Yeah. And he has like a set number of clothing items that can all kind of com- combine in different variations to build different outfits, but it's as small as it can be. like I'm pretty sure he can pack his entire wardrobe into like one okay size suitcase, which wow. just blows me away, right? So, um, you know, I've started to pack up a lot of things that are going to the trash, either to the trash donation bin or putting them up for sale. Uh, you know, the donation bin, it's obviously, I'd like to be as sustainable, let this stuff keep getting used as possible. There's some tax benefits to it too. Um, and you don't really even get into much paperwork or filing needs unless it's more than maybe two hundred and fifty or five hundred dollars. But on the selling side I was really surprised because, you know, I was letting some things sit around like my, an old bike, some, you know, outdoor gear I had, some photography equipment. And when I tallied it all up, it was actually way more than I was expecting. And the best part is, you know, between things like Facebook, 
Craigslist, eBay. Um, you basically have it as a seller, at least, easier than ever to really match. I guess what would be called the supply and demand for some of this stuff. And you know, I have an old uh, day pack, for example. It's in good, very good condition, and it, I might have gotten like twenty bucks, thirty bucks for it at a garage sale if I just had it out, but. Going online, you can kind of put it in front of essentially mil- you know millions of people in these various marketplaces, and I probably get at least two, three times that. So little things like that they add up, and uh, I plan on putting a lot of that towards savings and just longer term, I guess, uh, goals. But uh, for that is the first phase for me for 2017, and I think once you know I'm kind of trying to approach this as a uh, quarterly basis, so I can kind of keep myself accountable and also just realistically gauge my progress. I think my problem I had last year, in terms of my 2016 resolutions, wanting to touch on that too. You know, the big thing was, you know, getting married and staying on our budget, which we very happily did. But at the same time, that took up uh, so much of our energy and time during the planning process. You were a very sympathetic ear last year for me <laughs> when I was talking about this stuff. Is that we kind of gave up on some of the other resolutions that we had in terms of uh, investing together, or my partner and I investing together, and, learn, and, and me educating her more about uh, stocks, investing, uh, what's out there essentially. And um, just so this taking this more phased approach is really important just for us to hold each other accountable. Um, also approach things a little bit more independently so we're not tied to each other so it's it's easier just to plan around some of the complexities with our schedules and things like that. Um, but uh, to finish out the show, I do want to talk about some broader information and data that we both found about resolutions. But before we do that, uh, I want to thank Share Payroll for supporting this podcast. Uh, if you're a small business owner, you know payroll can be a real headache. Small businesses across the country often end up paying hefty fines due to payroll-related oversights. So while the IRS levies billions of dollars of these fines every year, you can now protect your business and get rid of payroll tax complications with the help of Sure Payroll. Sure Payroll has been around for over 15 years, and it's the first company to offer an entirely online payroll solution that is simple and can be used on any device in just three easy steps. The company will also file and pay your local, state, and federal taxes automatically, so you can focus on managing your business. Uh, Share Payroll is already serving a wide range of business types, everything from dentist offices to insurance agents, uh, charitable foundations, and more. So, if you want to stop worrying about late fees and fines, just check out sharepayroll.com fool and fill out the free quote form. Again, that is S-U-R-E payroll.com fool. All right. So, uh, wrapping things up, uh, you know, we got through some of our personal uh, experience from last year, what we are looking forward to this year. Uh, I also thought it would be interesting to talk broadly for Americans uh, about what, how they approach resolutions and how successful in general they tend to be, what they tend to focus on. The numbers I have here uh, from this survey says, top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2017. The biggest category, about one in five people, is lose weight and healthier eating. And then there's another, a second uh, related category, which is work out more often, which is number seven at 5%. So about one in four people are focused on health and wellness, I think, in general. Number two is very broad life self improvements. Maybe that's where we would be categorized <laughs> with ours. Um, three, better financial decisions. Again, somewhere where we fall. But, uh, you know, the 
the health and wellness, obviously, very, very popular one. And I also thought it was interesting in terms of not to discourage people who have resolutions, but to also just look at uh, what some of the results look like. So it says percent of Americans who usually make New Year's resolutions, only 40%. I was surprised. Yeah, I thought, I figured that was something that most people do. Um, but in that, uh, you know, the survey says 40%. And then uh, the percentage of people who do it on occasion is about 17%. And the rest who never do it, like our man behind the glass, Austin, <laughs> he uh, not interested at all when I, we asked him before the show, but he's part of the 42% or so uh, who answered the survey that they never, ever make any resolutions. And the thing that really, uh, I think, makes this process seem more daunting is the percentage of people who felt they were successful in achieving their resolution was only 9.2%. Oh, so that is that's that, that can be rough, but uh, the percent who have infrequent success, about half, and... The percent who never succeed and fail every year, 42%. But but I think that some of the things we talked about in terms of uh, you know, holding yourself accountable, having a system in place, using resources, whether it's an app or something else, can definitely help with that. Um, but I, you, had, you shared some really uh, interesting information with me earlier about, especially on the health and wellness front, because I think for both of us, too. We are pursuing that on the side, you know, not as <laughs> fool related, but still something that, yeah. uh, you know, we want to be healthier, uh, work out more. Uh, what was your the, these numbers that you pulled about people and gym memberships in January? Well, it's it's such a cliche, but there are obviously millions of people who resolve to to get fit, sure. and lose weight, and I'm one of them. Um, but I found that 12% of gym members join in January, and what's kind of more depressing from that is that 80% of people who join a gym quit within five months. Um, So honestly, if you are a regular gym attender, then you have already beat 80% of people who are joining in January. Um, So I think that obviously to take away from this is you should really think about starting a gym membership before you do it. And that's kind of the position I'm in now. I'm trying a few classes. I'm trying to, you know, work out by myself and see if that will help me avoid falling into this trap. Mm Mm-hmm. That is not surprising about the 12% because, you know, the way it should break out on a monthly basis, if it was just every month equal, it's like 8% or yeah. something like that. So the 12%, I, I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, in terms of uh, the how your success goes, you mentioned most people quit within five months. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, they, that survey had an interesting question. It was with the length of your resolution, um, how many people basically are able to maintain them? Throughout time, so uh, you know, about three out of four people can maintain them through the first week, uh, and then about 60 percent of people manage to maintain them past the first month. But the good news is that first month gauge is actually pretty solid because the drop off from one month at about sixty percent to past six months is to from about sixty to forty five percent. Okay, so you can make it past yeah. that first month. You are in great shape in terms, <laughs> you know, surprisingly, uh, potentially keeping this up. I do think that that five month gym membership thing, it's like those people, uh, the people who can't make it, they might often make it the first couple weeks. They stop. And then after months of basically donating to the <laughs> local gym, yeah. they realize that uh, there's might be better uses. But is there anything else uh, that you would like to share, Sarah, in terms of uh, your approach or, or any other lessons that you've learned in prior years with resolutions uh, before we wrap up here? Um, 
there was actually one sentence in your article that I thought was really insightful and kind of good for people to learn. But you say, um, ultimately, when you have just months to coordinate your wedding and a few decades to worry about retirement, the near-term commitment takes priority. And yes. obviously, in your case, it was a wedding. But for everybody, I feel like we always have a near-term commitment that's coming up. And for me, often it's visiting family, um, going back home, which which breaks up my, my year quite a lot mm-hmm. and often interrupts my best efforts with both financial planning and with you know fitness goals so i think that everybody needs to keep this in mind that we really need to plan for both the near-term commitments and the long term yeah and uh if uh you know you you brought up something from uh, my article i wanted to do the same thing from yours actually because i really like the way that you had described um prioritizing properly in term and staying busy uh, i think that for me to, as well i you know during 2016, I think I was able to say, hey, I'm still meeting my goals because I was busying myself with wedding planning stuff or something along those lines. But it really wasn't a very uh, substantive step towards my actual end goal. And for this year, I want to be a lot better in, in this decluttering my life process, right, to make sure that whatever I'm doing is actually not just me filling my time trying to make me feel better about you know saying oh you know I spent a little bit of time in resolution dating but actually something sub- substantive enough that's like pr- pushing me to progress forward so that is uh, that was something that you know I probably guilty of quite often yeah. and so really uh, hit a nerve I guess in terms of when I read your article but uh, thanks a lot for joining the show uh, I hope that fools aren't too discouraged I think that uh, 2017 is looking to be a, a a good year for a lot of us and despite what some of the stats might say uh, you know it's up to you and keep it up hold yourself accountable um, but that wraps up our discussion uh, for resolutions in 2017 uh, you can reach out to any of us and the rest of the industry focus crew via Twitter at MF industry focus or send us any questions via email to industry focus at fool.com people in the program may own companies discussed in the show and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for against stocks mentioned so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program thanks for listening and full on <laughs>